think as long as the church continues preaching to, to each parish that they need to be focused on that, showing love and, and creating an environment where, you know, the Catholic church, you know, can help guide billions of people on this earth towards God and to, to love God and to remember that God loves us so that we can all get through this because, you know, there are people who live on this earth for over a hundred years and, and the things that I hear them say is that it's, it's all about making peace and love. Welcome to the Spirit is Lit podcast, a spirit-centered podcast. Join us each week for a conversation on faith, current events, and everything in between. Hey folks, and welcome to the podcast. The Spirit is Lit. This week, our episode, we have a wonderful guest. His name is Barry. Um, Him and I go way back to my undergrad years. We actually both went to Loyola University, New Orleans. Um, We had some good conversation today. Um, He he actually does a lot of work in theater, um, and I have always personally admired his faith, uh, particularly with regard to his... um, the kind of tension that he holds in being a gay man, but also um, having this deep Catholic-rooted faith. So our our conversation centered around that and uh, LGBTQIA plus issues. So I'm excited for for, for this podcast. Uh, Enjoy. Welcome to The Spirit is Lit, Barry. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. (laughs) Good to hear you. (laughs) Thank you, Jacob. (laughs) I really appreciate that warm welcome. This is going to be a fun podcast. Um, (laughs) Well, (laughs) so uh, to our listeners, Barry, can you tell people a little bit about who you are, who your story, kind of how you ended up? Yeah. Hey, y'all. I'm Barry. (laughs) I am from New Orleans, and I I actually am a Hurricane Katrina baby. I lived in New Orleans prior to Hurricane Katrina, moved away um, directly after the storm and decided, um, my family decided to stay in Houston after the hurricane. So after many years of being in Houston, I said, I wanna go back home to New Orleans. And I know that I 100% wanna have an education that has a perspective of God involved. So I said, there was no better place for me than Loyola. <laughs> so I, I went back to Loyola for college um, and studied theater. And and yeah, I like to just think that I'm a normal guy, uh, but I'm also gay. <laughs> That's normal. <laughs> so Barry, I mean, I, I, when I started at Loyola, like we started Loyola way back in, what was it, 20... 2013. So we've known each other for a while now. So I'm wondering, um, and I've always, like you've already mentioned, like you wanted a a space where you could uh, grow in your spirituality. But I'm also curious, like as you also mentioned, um, what's your experience in the church, you know, as someone who identifies within the LGBTQIA plus, you know, spectrum? Because I can, I can imagine there's, there can be kind of tensions between those two identities. Yeah, I, that's very interesting. I, I think that one of the first things that comes to mind is that there's no part of you that makes up the whole of you. 
there are different little chunks of things that you believe, whether that be about politics or my love of theater or my love of music, my all of my my style, the way that I dress, all of these different things I think come together to make the person that I am. But I find that often in all of these different things, there's something that's kind of against something else that, you know, like the the sexuality maybe isn't meeting the faith or, you know, uh, the, the way that I dress isn't necessarily meeting um, with my personality, so on and so forth. I think that that was one thing that I had to do when I was really young. I had to, to decide, am I going to find myself completely in balance with everything that I'm going to present as this person um, who who is completely centered in everything that I do? I am only this one thing. Um, and I said, absolutely not. That's not who I am. I, let's let's rub against some things and, and cancel some other things out. But I think one of the things that changed me the most when I was relatively young and coming to terms with, you know, like understanding that I'm different um, from a lot of other people when it came to sexuality was an article that I read um, that was called Gay, Catholic, and Doing Fine. And I said, wow, that's incredible. I instantly bookmarked it. And I was like, I'm gonna read this later once I have time to sit down with it and just read it. Because that obviously is going to hold all of the answers that I need <laughs> to, to live a happy life. <laughs> so I sat down to read this article. And from my perspective, this guy was not doing fine. <laughs> he seemed miserable from my perspective. Or shall I say, when I put myself in his shoes, I felt as though I would be living a miserable life for myself. So I decided to go on a journey for myself and explore what it actually means for me to be gay, Catholic, and doing fine. So uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, maybe if I'm processing what you're saying correctly, would it, would it be fair to say that um, some, you know, sometimes in life we have certain tensions between certain things and like, maybe that's just, that's partly also due to just the complexity of, of being human. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying, Jacob. Thank you. So, I, yeah, I like that. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess along your journey, you, you found this, this article, but then you've all, I, I imagine you've, uh, and like from our conversations, you've had a lot of other experiences and, and things like that. So I'm wondering, you know, what's been helpful for you personally on your spiritual journey? I think conversations with other people. It's when I got to Loyola, I was finally in a place where um, I could be surrounded by a lot of people who were who are were willing to listen to me and were willing to to speak to me about their experience. It was when I know as, as cheesy as it sounds, it was when I met people like you, Jacob. Um, yeah. <laughs> and started making really incredible friendships. And, and I find that the times that in my life that my faith has been the most tested um, were the times when I didn't have friends like you who had faith. And I was surrounded by people who identified as atheist. And, um, and I'm a firm believer in, in hearing every side of an argument, you know, so if a voice is missing, if I'm in an environment where I, I 
am only being told, you know, eh, this God stuff, you know, like you're gay. You're not supposed to, <laughs> you're not supposed to like God. You're not supposed to like religion. Um, those environments make me really uncomfortable. So to be surrounded by a lot of great friends who are willing to have these conversations with me, um, it, it sent me on an incredible journey, you know, a powerful journey where I didn't feel as though any perspective wasn't at the table and, and I couldn't make a decision or I couldn't share my experience or I couldn't think through something um, because someone else's voice was clouding my judgment. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm wondering did, did how important was it for you to like put your own opinion too out there and like maybe even like, I might be even going off of that too, did your perception or did your opinion or did your, you know, your understanding change over time as you, yeah, I don't, yeah, just put that out there. Absolutely, I think, I think I went into college very scared. Um, I think I was scared of not knowing who, what opinions I would, would hear. Um, and I was afraid that mine wasn't completely formed. I think that over time, I started to develop my opinion. I think, especially when you're young, you're, you're still trying to, to understand the things that you're feeling, right? Especially when it comes to sexuality. You're still trying to understand what attraction is. You're starting to understand what, um, what relationships are to people, not even in like a, a romantic sense, but just friendships, <laughs> you know, and, and how there are varying levels of friendship relationships with people. And I think over time, as I started to, to gain these friendship relationships, I started to realize, you know, what do I want in a relationship relationship, <laughs> like a, a loving relationship? And then what do I want my relationship with God to be? also was a conversation that I had to have with myself. And at Loyola, I was lucky to have a host of ministers, priests, nuns, <laughs> everyone to have that conversation with, right? I think that through those conversations and, and saying, hey, this is what I'm feeling today. I'm feeling as though I wanna talk to God. I, I wanna to, to, to ask for some guidance. How, how do I do that? You know, of course I learned all of this when I was in, I mean, starting in elementary school, you start um, learning about, you know, how to talk to God and how to pray when you're in catechism. But I think as an adult, getting to make the decision <laughs> about how I pray, um, I think is, is when I started to feel an opinion being made and a perspective gaining a voice. Does that make sense? Yeah. Was there, I mean, I'm, I'm curious too, like, was there any, uh, any particular insights or even just like a general idea that like you, you've taken with you from like the, from these conversations with, you know, priests and nuns and things like that? Yeah. I think it's centered around love. I think it's centered around love and care, care for yourself, care for other people, 
I think is, you know, I listened to your interview with Sister Bednars, um, who <laughs> obviously was like a major <laughs> person in both of our lives. She's so incredible. Um, and one thing that she she mentioned was care for other people, and and how how do you see God in different ways? Where do you see God? And what what lens do we? Oh, it's so incredible. She talked about lenses when reading the Bible, right? Which is something that when we we took our class, that's something that we talk a lot about, the lens at which we're reading it through. But I think the same goes for, for, you know, teachings, what you hear in mass and what you hear from ministers and nuns and priests. And I think the thing that out of all of the conversations that I had, it was always centered around care and love. So what makes you feel the best and what helps other people? What makes you feel loved and how do you feel like you're loving other people? Yeah, I like that. One of the things also like, I'll go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I'll, we'll, we'll come back. But like one of the things that like, struck me is when Sister Terry was talking is like when we're talking about social justice, she didn't term it as social justice. She termed it as just love. She's like, oh yeah, you mean love. It's like, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. She's, a, she's yeah. the most incredible human. <laughs> she's awesome. Um, so <laughs> I diverge, but um, I want to talk about Barry, like you, uh, speaking of like priests and nuns and things like that, you, you, you know, we, as we've talked before, um, you've mentioned that you like throughout parts of your life, you had, you've had an interest in becoming a priest. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit more about that and maybe even like kind of what spurred that too? Yeah. <laughs> do you remember your 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 first communion yeah i remember mine too and i think i think i remember it so vividly i remember what it felt like to have that connection with god in a, in a different way than than i think i had the capability of thinking about it before um so I think about that often. I think a lot about the first time that I was chosen to be the drummer boy <laughs> at Christmas mass. <laughs> and um, and I, I, I think the thing that I remember so fondly is the priest that was at the church that, that my mother and I used to go to. His name was um, Father Glasgow. Um, he passed away. Um, power. Um, but I just remember him so vividly because he would sit, he'd ask you a question. And I mean, I was what, five years old? And he'd ask me a question. And I, I'm a talker, if you haven't noticed. I'm a talker. I will sit and I will talk about anything and I will ramble, ramble, ramble. And he would listen. And I said, that's, that's pretty cool. And then he'd, he'd ask me another question out of ramble. He'd never really give me a response to the things that I, I said. I don't think he had to. And when he felt that he had to, he would offer me another question to make me think a little bit more. And I think I've taken that with me for as long as I can remember, that kindness, that impression of listening. Um, it, it's left me so inquisitive about the world and about other people and about God and everything and, and, and
and very reflective on the things that people say and the things that I think and the things that I feel, um, the things that I learn. And I think that over time, that has been the thing that has strengthened my faith and has drawn me closer to scripture, trying to understand scripture and how to use it that, that not only helps me, but helps other people. How do, I, how do I offer someone a piece of scripture and say, this, this is something that may help you get through what you're going through right now, or this might be guidance um, in scripture to, to help you figure out what you wanna do. And I, I think in, in, in preparing to go to college and deciding whether or not, you know, maybe I should go to seminary instead, um, that was a, a difficult conversation for me. And I think, I think I chose that different direction for a multitude of different reasons. First was, was a love of theater. I really wanted to do theater and I didn't see where I could do both of those things at, at once, especially not in a professional capacity. And then the other thing I think was a, a frustration that, you know, sexuality and religion and my faith, my sexuality and my faith were so, so I guess the word is polarizing <laughs> that I just, I was so torn. I was so torn. And, and I felt as though I could move in the direction of, of theology and, and dismiss sexuality, or I can, I can move in the direction of, of the other parts of me, including my sexuality and still hold on to my faith. And that was the decision that I, I made. Yeah, it's, it, it was hard. And I think there have still been times still to this day where I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> can join a, a nice brotherhood and, 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 and go and do something, something else and, and, and feel something else, you know, and to learn from other people and to have a different perspective on life. I think about that often. Um, but I think the thing that always kind of is the kicker is I, I don't want anyone to ever feel uncomfortable, you know, where they don't feel like they have someone who will listen to them. You know, there are a lot of young LGBTQIA plus um, people in this world who, who, who need people to listen to them and to validate them and to help them. And I'm afraid that if I were to move in the direction of theology, I'd, I'd be, I'm, I'm honestly afraid that I'd lose that. I'd lose my ability to speak to them. Um, and that's something that I, I just can't give up. Yeah. Do you see, I mean, so you mentioned uh, throughout this, I guess, response, talking a lot about um, almost like, you know, the polarities between just sexuality in general and like faith and religion. I'm wondering... Um, what do you think about, because, uh, you know, Pope Francis made a lot of news uh, throughout his papacy regarding like his um, speech toward the LGBTQ uh, community. Um, so, I, I mean, I wonder, what, what do you make of it? Yeah, it's been pretty incredible to, to, to have someone 
say something that you identify with. I, I think there are times in life when someone's like, <laughs> so once you feel humanized, you know, when someone kind of like says, ah, you know, like, <laughs> I think the most recent kind of conversation was centered around civil unions. And the conversation was like, well, we have to understand family. We have to understand community. And LGBTQIA people belong, you know, and that, that belonging is humanizing. And that I think is incredible. That feeling of being humanized is incredible um, to feel seen and represented um, are two very different things, but, but to, I think it's an incredible start. It's an incredible start to an incredible future. You know, he's, he's laying a path for, for the future of, of understanding about, you know, how we as humans exist on this earth. And, and, and as we learn more about why God put us here um, and what he wants us to learn in our time on this earth, um, I, I think the Pope is, is really incredible. I'm, I'm glad that he has said the things that he said um, so that people can hear that we have to treat people like members of our family. We have to love all, it's so important. Yeah, and if I'm hearing you right, it seems like basically what you know Pope Francis has done is just naming and like um, recognizing that uh, people, certain people, certain identities exist. And it seems like the more we understand the complexity of the human person, um, and yeah, tell me if this is kind of what, along what you're what you're thinking, what you're saying. That as we become come to more, understand more of the complexity of the human person, it's there's a certain level of importance in naming. Um, like experiences and, and being able to say that those are real. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I want to kind of pivot back to like what you said about Father Father Glasgow and talking about, uh, I, just, I had a, like a follow-up question on that, like how he, you mentioned how he uh, was, uh, how he kind of like ministered, I guess you could say, um, in the sense that he would never like give you any definitive answers, but he would like maybe even open more questions would you say maybe this is a part double part question but would you say that he he allowed you and maybe others that were in his vicinity to um experience god from their own lens and do you find yourself doing that as well like similar practices as father glasgow yeah <laughs> it's pretty incredible to think about <laughs> um yeah i think that's exactly what he was doing i think to kind of tie it all in, I think most about most things that we all can identify with religion is is our experience, right? You know, what what are the times where you felt God? You know, name name a time when you when you felt God or when you realized that God did something um, remarkable for you. When 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 was your first time witnessing a, a miracle? Um, and 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 when do you do you feel as though God was speaking to you? When did you feel as though you needed to speak to God? I think reflecting on all of that, that, that creates God's faith, <laughs> you know? We all sit in mass every Sunday and, and we, we hear things. And, I, and 
that's someone else's experience, you know, and we, we should take from it. We should learn from it, but we should also learn from our own experience and learn from our, our own experiences. And I think that that was what he was trying to teach us. He was trying to teach us that, you know, everything that you were feeling, everything that you thought is valid. It's valid. But here's another question to challenge your thought. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about that? Do you see how, how God is present in that, in that moment that you had this experience that you're talking about? I think that's incredible. And I, I love having those conversations with other people. I love, I love having, you know, conversations like this where we can talk about it and, and say, um, very Jesuit thing to say, but you know, like, how do we find God in all things? Yeah, um, yeah, in every moment, find it in every moment, dude. I'm, I'm almost, um, and I don't. It seems like so simple, like the, the parallels between I think spirituality, specifically like Jesuit spirituality, and like I think psychology too. I'd say even, um, and what you're saying, like, almost sounds like uh, even like a, almost like pretty close to like a therapy session in the sense that, you know, I don't know where like a, the therapist would, would maybe pose questions as opposed to tell, tell you exactly, Oh, this is what you're doing. Da, da, da. I don't know. Would you see like, I don't know the similarities between like Absolutely. health and spirituality. Yeah. I, I think honestly, it, it's, it's interesting because I think we don't necessarily live in a society yet where therapy has been normalized. I don't think that I, I don't, I don't think that people are as, as hip to therapy as they should be. I'm so in on therapy, it's unreal. But <laughs> I think that people use spirituality as, um, as their, their only version of therapy. Um, no, I, I, I don't want to, to, to discount that. I think that's very important. I think using spirituality um, as, as a source of therapy, as a source of self-care, as a source of sorting out how you feel and think um, and, and sorting out trauma, I think is, is, is great. I think that's important. I, I pray that people use it properly, you know, that they use their spirituality um, to, to work things out and not just to cope. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, and that sounds to me super like Jesuitical in the sense that like <laughs> you, you know, like you process things, and, like that processing should lead you to maybe even, I don't know, taking certain steps differently. Um, yeah, whether that be like mental health or whether that be um, like taking steps differently in terms of social justice. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That- I, absolutely. I think. I think. Yeah. I think our spirituality sh- should lead us towards action. And, yeah. and, and yeah, <laughs> 100%. I'm so hyper on that. Yeah. I think, I think spirituality uh, should lead us towards action. I, I think that was one of the, th- the most important things that you and I have both reflected on a lot after leaving Loyola. It's this, this ability to look at the world and understand that your experience isn't the only one that exists in the world, right? Let's, let's meditate on that for a moment. Okay, once we've meditated on that, we can then start to see other people's experiences, whether that be you know, injustice 
or if that be um, uh, social social issues such as people's um, uh, people's feelings about uh, sexuality, for instance, right? Or LGBTQIA rights. Um, once you start to see the world as this place that is is full of God, full of creatures that God has put here on this earth that that have different perspectives, that have different life experiences. The second that you start to to recognize that, I think it leads you to do crazy things, crazy things like protest. Crazy things like speaking up when you feel as though um, you're experiencing something that just does not feel right. Um, and, and doing things like helping other people in a space where no one else is, is willing to help. That, that's a major part of, of what I think being a Christian is all about, you know? loving other people and being for, there for them as we go through this crazy thing called life. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's like, uh, we, we, you know, we experience things, we reflect on them, but then those, our reflections should move us to, to, to better love others. And maybe even like looking at, you know, the Jesuitical way of doing it. Like, okay, I did this well, I'm going to see if I can keep doing something similar to that. But then also like, I didn't do that. So well, so I'm going to fix that up. Um, which I'm, which uh, kind of leads me to another question I was thinking. Um, what do you think, what are your thoughts even on like, cause we're talking about like spirituality, prayer and action as like two things. But what about like, uh, as opposed to just, you know, prayer without action. But what about, what are your thoughts on like maybe even the harmful effects of action without reflection or prayer? Mm. Mm. Wow. <laughs> action without prayer, without reflection. Is it even possible? I don't know. Like, is that just something we, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's it's so interesting because, you know, like you and I have talked about this a number of times, like the way that I think of prayer is, is different compared to what other people consider prayer. Um, my, my prayer is constant conversation. It's constant conversation happening. Makes me kind of sound a little psycho, but it's constant conversation happening in my head. And it's a constant conversation with God and I where we can just talk things through and I can ask for assistance. I can ask for, you know, I can ask for support. I can, I can ask for um, forgiveness. And that seems like it's, it's the thing that, that leads me. We, we have that constant conversation. I sometimes ask for permission, you know, is, can, may I please go in here? And, you know, if my body, if my body moves, I feel like I've been granted that answer through prayer, through internal prayer. Um, I, I, I think it, I think it would be interesting to think about and explore this idea of, of only acting without reflection. I feel like you, you don't care about anything that you do, right? If, if you make actions about things that, that you don't reflect on, that you don't, I, to me, if you don't reflect on it, you didn't really care much about it, um, then it wasn't really worth doing in the first place. 
I could see that. Yeah. And I, I honestly, like, I'm, I, I, I see what you're saying. And I think I would even lean to the, the, the thought that like, is it even possible to act without like reflecting in whatever capacity? Cause yeah, I don't know. Cause I think it's just something that we do, whether we do it a lot or some people might do it very, you know, a lot less. I don't, yeah. I don't know. my thought. Yeah. I think that, that God has a funny way of, of making you reflect. I think God has a funny way of making you, you pray, especially when you need it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Barry, um, I have, uh, we're, we got went on a little bit of a tangent, but this was a great tangent. Um, <laughs> So I have another question for you. Uh, it's kind of like a two-part question, but um, in terms of like uh, LGBTQI plus um, issues, what do you think individual churches can do to be more inclusive of all people, and, and maybe even what can the greater church do? You think? I th- I think that individual churches can start by ensuring that everyone feels welcome. Everyone feels like you all also talked to, to Ken in one episode and, and he talked about how he used to make cookies. <laughs> well, he still does. He still does to this day, he makes cookies. And, and, and the people that he'd minister to would come in, they'd get a cookie. That, that feeling of being welcomed into someone's home, into some space, um, and the feeling of being welcome to have a conversation, I think is very important. So I think, you know, individual churches can fling those doors open. They can make everyone some cookies um, and allow people to feel, um, to find comfort in, in the church and find comfort in the people in the church, especially um, leadership. Um, and And I think, I think more churches can talk about lenses <laughs> and and how you know we all need to look at at scripture and look at the teachings from you know leadership and through a, a, a lens and and to see to identify what our personal lens is you know what are what is the the the, the, the creed that we live by <laughs> right um as as catholics and as and each human being you know what is the creed that you live by um and and take that that really comfortable environment that they've created and and gain some incredible power so that the congregation as a whole um can work through everything together you know we we have people who who believe in us people that you know we, we've built a family with that aren't going to shame us and aren't going to shame the things that we go through as human beings that are going to help us investigate and help us create action. I think, does that answer your question? Um, yeah. Especially for the individual church. I, I think that the greater church, I think that the greater church should, uh, what Pope Francis said is really incredible, you know, that humanizing. I think I think we just need to continue seeing that action, you know. I'm so glad that he's there, and I'm so glad that he's saying the things that he's saying. Because what he's saying isn't controversial. It's it's not going against anything that 
the church ever believed. I think he's finally framing it in a way that other people don't have to interpret it. Other people don't have to be confused about what it means. You are supposed to love everyone. I think as long as the church continues preaching to, to each parish that they need to be focused on that, showing love and, and creating an environment where, you know, the Catholic church, you know, can help guide billions of people on this earth towards God and to, to love God and to remember that God loves us so that we can all get through this because, you know, there are people who live on this earth for over a hundred years and, and the things that I hear them say is that it's, it's all about making peace and love. So I think just so long as that they keep teaching everyone that and, and keep um, and, and provide an environment where more people can hear that message, I think the church will, will do incredible things. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I see parallels between like what you're saying between what uh, Ken did with his cookies and like what Pope Francis did. Cause like, I don't know, tell me if, like, if this is kind of in line with what you were thinking, but like, you know, the church for, you know, all intents and purposes is, is an institution which almost dehumanizes it. Um, but like opening the doors like Ken does with his cookies or like Pope Francis, like you're talking about like what Pope Francis is doing in terms of like having conversation, having dialogue, um, what, yeah, make, makes it like a living, breathing thing that, namely humanizes it i don't know is that would it would it safe would it be safe yeah, to say absolutely i think <laughs> i think thinking about the church as a person <laughs> and not as you know the vatican <laughs> is <laughs> is is cool you know to to make a friend to make a friend with the church and and not um think of it as a structure it's it's you know, your home is your home, you know, just like you go home to your house every day and I go home to my house every day. But if I show up at your house, it's going to feel like the same place, but you're going to have an incredible friend inside of it. You know, I think that's what, that's what the focus needs to be. The, the church isn't just the building. It's, it's the person inside of it who makes you feel happy and loved and welcomed as well. Yeah, if you show up at my house, we'll bake cookies or something. Let's bake cookies. <laughs> yeah, okay, Barry. Um, good news and bad news. It's uh, it's been a wonderful conversation, but the bad news is uh, we're coming close to our to our end of our time. But you ready for some fire round questions? No. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, first question is, what person do you think lived out the values of Jesus best, dead or alive? Mother Teresa. Nice. Okay. Um, favorite method of prayer right now? Uh, constant prayer. I imagine a little Jesus on each shoulder and I ask them questions all day. Love it. Nice. All right. If you were Pope for a day, what would you do? I'd give a really long day, long speech about love and care for all people. <laughs> nice. A whole day. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, Barry, this is the most um, theological, philosophical, um, controversial question that I have ever asked anyone. Uh, how many licks oh. does it take? <laughs> yeah, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a tootsie pop? None. <laughs> what? Wow. Just a bite. Just a bite. 
just a bite a single bite I'll, I'll be honest with you i always ask i think about that commercial regularly and i'm just like i don't think i've ever licked a tootsie pop really you just bite your no. biter no i like just put it in my mouth and it's just kind of like hanging out there until it's like dwindled down to the chunk where you you get to either the tootsie roll or the gum whatever it is and then you just bite on into that and, and you just you're so you just kind of let your saliva like salivate it all over whatever. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think I do that too sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have never, I have never been like a one, a two. No, that doesn't happen for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the world may never know. The world, the may, world never may never know, Jakey. All right, Barry. Well, thanks for taking the time. It's good to, it's good to talk to you. Good to see you, you too. too, my friend. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Have a good one. Love you. Bye. Thank you.